Hello, it's Sarah with you. Daniel Carrington, I was just about to get on the microphone and say, Daniel Carrington to 2 and you RFM, please. <laughs> and I was Carrington. listening in the car, actually, on my way, so I would have heard it. And then you've walked in. I was just about to text and say, mm-hmm. you know, did you forget something today? And you've walked in. Well, hello to you. It's good to see you. And what did I say when I walked in? You said, never fear. <laughs> have no fear. Daniel is here. <laughs> We've got Daniel and David. It's always great to see you. I was on Dr. time. David Tabret. You well on time for you, yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay, no one's here. It's five past twelve, and the I great, said, well, "Don't worry, David's on and se- Daniel's on. They'll both be here." Yeah. But Sarah, the secrecy of radio is we're on the show. We're here. Yep. You are here. Yep. We're ready, ready and ready and listening. Hey, we couldn't ask for anything more, mm-hmm. could we? Now, Daniel, what are we going to chat about today? Look, sometimes um, when we've got an older dog, there's some bad behaviour. That can happen with our older dogs. And we might not be aware, but we can actually get training for that as well. Okay. So we, we're very used to training puppies, but what about our adolescent or adult dogs? So we're going to talk about training an adult dog. And yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. You do what I say to my husband, <laughs> Dull, he's 14, he can do whatever he wants. And Sean goes, you're so bad, Sarah. You let him get away with it. We'll talk about that next on Pet Chat. Now, Daniel Carrington, you have come in today and you have said to me that you can actually train old dogs. You can. It might require a bit more persistence. Haven't they done enough? But Don't you just let them do whatever they want in the later years? No, no. And, you know, you could get in trouble doing that mm. <laughs> with Gizzy. I, I suppose you're right. I guess you've got your expert on to tell us all about it. Chris Murphy from Barker's Imbalance. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Now, look, we were talking about the fact that sometimes, well, let's go back. Everyone knows about training puppies. When you get your puppy, it's mm-hmm. important to train puppies. But we might not be aware that there are courses available for our older dogs, our adult dogs, adolescent dogs, who might still need to be taught a few things because they're not doing some of the things we want them to do to fit properly into society. Mm-hmm. So um, you were telling me there's three major issues with some of these older dogs that behavioural firms like, like uh, Barker's Imbalance have been uh, treating or dealing with. And what are those three? So, yeah, the, the, the main three that we get phone calls for and uh, people wanting help with seems to be um, jumping, pulling and then the recall of the dog. So um, they're, they're all generally based around that excitement. They're, they're doing um, something that is getting them excited. And as people, we generally don't uh, do the right thing by um, showing them that we shouldn't be meeting their excitement, I suppose, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Is, is yeah, we, we tend to come in and if, if we've had a big old day at work, uh, the dog's at the door, you walk in the door, the dog hasn't seen you all day, they're nice and excited, they jump up for a kiss or a cuddle, and then you replicate with a pat or a cuddle. It's or, the best. So what, what we actually... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nice slobbery face. So, But what we try to do with, with our, our um, clients is let them know that when they walk in the door to show the dog appropriately how to meet. So instead of uh, rewarding that behaviour of them jumping by, patting the dog or, or giving them a cuddle, we ask them to sit. Once they've sat, we give them a reward by either a treat or, or a pat on the head or, or whatever's going to um, interest that dog. And that way we try and start a new pattern of behaviour where someone walks in the door, they'll sit for a pat instead of jumping up for a pat. So. 
I actually did come across a dog just on the weekend, which is eight month old, and yeah, just a big jumper, very much Perfect so. Time. Yeah, eight and, months. Yeah, and it is frustrating because it's very can... distracting, isn't it, mm. when you've got a dog constantly jumping on you if you're visiting someone? You know, it's yes. not correct. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, sometimes it is the visitors that are the main instigators of this because <laughs> mum and dad of the dog might be okay with asking the dog to sit and giving it uh, uh, attention when it is behaving, but it's the visitors and the grandparents and the children that come through and the dog's excited, they get excited and they just sort of enable each other. So, yeah, yeah, so if you can teach your, your visitors to do the same thing as well, greeting while, while the dog's sitting or even when the dog's calm, so if the dog's a big jumper and it just won't sit because it's too excited, you just basically ignore pup, go about, do your thing, um, and then when the dog is nice and relaxed, then you go up and that's when you greet the dog and show them that that's what's appropriate. So I guess uh, you've given some pointers in how to control jumping on an mm-hmm. older dog, adolescent dog, even a puppy. But um, one that would take, I guess, a bit longer to train is the pulling. When we're walking our dog and our arm is ripped off <laughs> because of this constant pulling to the point you don't want to walk the dog anymore. How do you contend with those issues? So, yeah, the, the pulling is not an easy fix. It, it's one of these ones, especially if... Uh, the, the longer you've been walking in a certain way, obviously that dog is used to that. So if you've got a one-year-old dog, it's going to be easier to train out of than a three-year-old dog and then a six-year-old dog again. So, so the longer you allow it to go on, the harder it's going to be. But every dog can and can can be trained and, and, and fixed back into the way of walking appropriately and how we find appropriate. And again, it's just excitement. The dog generally pulls because it wants something. It wants that that beach that you're going to or it wants to get to that tree or it wants something. So we need to scale it back and basically be in charge of the walk again and let them know that we're not going to be moving forward unless they behave themselves by appropriately walking with us. So depending on what sort of dog you've got, you can use the good old pole method where you act like a pole in the middle of the footpath and you don't move. Um your little dog can then basically get itself to where they're standing beside you and then you can move along your walk again. A um, little bit harder if you're dealing with a rottweiler that outweighs you, where you can be the pole and you're going to be going where they want to go anyway. Yes. So, um, yeah, the thing is to, to just kick it back a bit, start nice and small. Don't think about walking around the block or a few blocks. If you can get your dog from the front door to the gate by your side, that's a little win. So if you're getting pulled from the front door to the front gate, you need to walk back to the front door. Walk slowly to the front gate with your dog. If he pulls in front, we go back to the front door. And it's more about teaching the dog the, the system of the walking instead of let's get to the destination. Yes. So, um, yeah, so, so it, like, just uh, pulling it back, it's, again, it's not, a, it's not easy. Some dogs will pick it up in five minutes. They work out, okay, every time I'm here, we move forward, and every time I'm there, we move back. Yeah. Um, and but some dogs do take that little bit of time. And, um, yeah, we can obviously help with that sort of stuff as well, and that's why we have the, the good manners classes to teach people on the flow and where the dog should be and things like that. So. All right. Um, so just really very quickly, because we're running out of time, the last thing was recall, getting your dog to come to you. Very quickly, what's a quick step of t- uh, training that? Yeah, well, basically the main thing is when you call your dog, you want to be the most exciting thing in the area. So um, what you want to do is you want to be fun. So when you're first trained, do it in a small area, 
call the dog's name, the dog's going to come to you, give them lots of little treats and lots of love, uh, push them back a little bit more until you've got a nice little distance. But what you want to do is you just want to be fun. So when you call your dog, get down, give them a big pat. Uh, we call it jackpotting, which is where instead of just giving them one treat, you can give them a whole handful of treats yeah. as well. Um, that excites them to come. And so eventually what you're trying to do is is be that excitement. They think that every time they come to you and call, they're going to get something amazing. Um, you don't have to keep treats in your pocket for the rest of their life. It's just to initially get that spark of when they call, I get something nice, so I'm going to go to them. It's going to... It has to be a good treat to compete with urine, though. I tell you, if Gizzy's, yeah, if Gizzy's you, you got, got a scent on a that, tree, hundred percent. Yeah, exactly right. So fresh meat usually works ah. nice and well. So yeah, something that uh, they're, they're a bit like us. They have their favourites. So even if throughout the week, pull a little bit of whatever you're having for dinner, but sit that aside um, and, and try with the dog and see if it sparks. And if you get that nice little eyes and the and the ears sort of light up, use that as your training because you want to find something that's better than that other dog or, yeah, a nice snowy tree or pole. Thanks, Chris. I always love it to have you on the show. It really is. Thank you. Some really good advice there. I like Mm. the carrying the treats because that's Gizzy's problem. If he's gone for a sniff out the front, I say to Sean, he's deaf, give him a break, and Sean (laughs) says he's just ignoring you. (laughs) So I'll have to give that a whirl. But I like that idea of the jackpot. I like that too. The jackpot of treats, hey. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, for me, obviously not for dogs. We can't do it, but just carry some chocolate and what you know. Like a monkey. We're going to go to Caroline now in Enna Bay. Caroline, you've got a question about your cat. I do. Um, I've just moved into an over 55 lifestyle uh, community area. Mm-hmm. Cats aren't allowed out, and he's already proven that he can jump the 1.8 Calibon fence. Oh, I yes. don't know what Easily. to do. What? Easily. Yeah. Oh, he just was very proud, walking along like he'd been all his life. <laughs> So th- this is a, a common concern when we're moving into smaller, you know, lifestyle mm. or apartments and even, uh, you know, elevated multi-storey apartments. People are very concerned about their cats going outside. And um, there are some good solutions for this scenario. So there's a couple of products. The one that uh, springs to mind is called Cat Max. And basically it provides enclosures, uh, screening things like that, that give the cat an opportunity to be outdoors and indoors. And uh, so they're quite well built. You can get off-the-shelf, um, you know, can, uh, they're, they're not cages. I don't want to describe them like that. Enclosure sounds kind of. <laughs> yes, but they're quite large and they've got this very fine screen. So it also means that, you know, it's not like birds could fly in over the top. They're actually mm. fully enclosed. Uh, you can get them custom-designed. You can get them so that they connect to the indoor, like the cat actually has this tunnel to get outside uh, into the enclosure, and they can be as large or as small as you like. So um, in in balcony situations for anybody in apartments or if you're in a lifestyle unit as you are, Carolyn, then this is probably the best way to go. Um, You can look this up on the internet or if you speak to usually your local vet or pet store would have some information. As I said, there are a number of manufacturers and they're fairly um you know simple once they're put up and the cats love them you know yeah they just they feel like they're outdoors and of course then they can just come inside and lie on your bed or they go outside Hmm. but they're still he he loves to roam he's he's quite a 
aroma. <laughs> well, this will this will limit his uh, obviously his ability to roam, but he will feel like he still has connection with the outdoors. Great, yeah. so that'll okay. solve the problem. Yep. All right, Carolyn, thank you for okay. calling the show today. Just one more thing. Someone suggested putting um, a downpipe uh, across the top of the fence so they can't grip. Is, yeah, is that a good idea? May, no? Maybe. Uh, I think cats are pretty nimble and ingenious, and um, I think you'll find he'll probably work that out, a way to get out. And it won't look very attractive. Well, yeah. Aesthetically, if you care about that. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I think long-term look, and particularly because if you're in a situation, and this occurs with strata laws in apartments and things like that, uh, and in you know the lifestyle villages, there's going to be some rules. And if you start yeah. breaching the rules, you'll get, you know, you might get a free pass once or twice, but you don't want to upset the neighbours to too start often. That. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's difficult. Well, let us know how you go, Carolyn. I'd be interested to hear how it works out. Uh, Marlene in Mayfield, you've got a question today about your pooch. Yes, I do. Her name is Ella and she's a six month, uh, six year old moodle, mm-hmm. but she snores very loudly. <laughs> oh. Now, has really it, loudly. Has this just started or? Um, probably in the last maybe six months. Okay. So a moodle being a uh, Maltese cross toy poodle? Yes. Yeah, not really a breed that we would tend to see upper airway problems as, yeah. a, as a general rule. However, so snoring is basically when there's redundant or excessive soft tissue in the back of the throat that vibrates when the dog is breathing in. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's just started, then I would be a little bit concerned about how uh, that might progress because my experience is that snoring will just get worse over okay. time. It'll get yep. louder and eventually it can actually start to cause obstructive breathing, right. which is obviously a concern. And it's not normal for any dog. Mm. Um, and it will actually cause some problems with airway dynamics and flow and pressure and things like that. So it's all, always better to have that checked out. Now, in some cases, it could be that there's actually a bit of an infection in the back of the throat right. or in the nasal passages, and that's caused a little bit of tissue swelling, and that's what's triggered it. Right. Uh, and in other cases, it's just there is excessive tissue there, and um, then we have to think about, you know, do we need to have surgery to remove that. And so obviously a lot of people who've got, uh, you know, dogs with the pushed-in faces, the brachycephalic breeds, we, yeah. s- we do see this a lot. And a lot of those dogs, they do so much better when they've had surgery, both with their sleeping but also their exercise tolerance and even their uh, eating and swallowing and things like that. Um, so you might find that you have to go down that path. But um, in the first instance, I'd say get a health check, make sure there's no nasal disease, no lung disease, and then your vet could probably say, look, this is a problem. We could maybe settle it down with some medication. But if it's not going to respond, um, we might have to consider surgery. Yeah, I, I had a to the vet recently with, for her um, C5 injection and I got her to check her teeth because she had a dental treatment probably 12 months ago. But right. she had, her breath has been really bad as well, but the vet did check that. So I'm not quite sure where to go. Maybe... Yeah, sometimes we'll see nasal disease, and so that could be a source of the smell or tonsils. And, um, you know, some of those two things would be um, combined together. That could be you're getting the noise, but you're also getting the smell. And uh, another part, if we get time today, we might talk a little bit more about uh, dental disease uh, that we can't see from the outside. 
good good thoughts. Four nine two one six two one six. If you've got a question today for Dr. David Tabret, we do have a free line right now. We did just have uh, was it Caroline that rang in and said mm. uh, her, her cat. cat keeps jumping the fence. Apparently, another listener's called in and said you can buy a product that's like a revolving roller that mm-hmm. can be attached to the inside of the fence at the top, and the cat can't grip and climb over. I've seen those. Oh. Yeah. That, that's not a bad solution, actually. So do they go on the top or inside so you can't see it from outside? They, they're not as uh, aesthetically displeasing as just simply maybe putting some, some poly pipe over yeah. the top. But it kind of works the same way, except uh, it's not just a, a surface that they would slip over. It actually rolls. So it's as they cool. put their feet on it, as they're going up, it just kind of spins like a fun park. They can have a bit of fun while they're oh, trying to get up as not well. Not really. They keep falling back. Well, they'll learn, won't they? Not, that's that's <laughs> kind more, of the point. I'm awful. Yeah. 49216216 worth if you've got a question. Okay, so there yeah. you go. You can give that a go as well, Caroline. Uh, let's see if we've got another caller. Hello, have you got a question today for Dr. David Tabret? Hello, you've called Pet Chat. Uh, yes. yes, hi, sorry. Yeah, hi. your question. <laughs> Oh, we've got an American Staffy. He's a one-year-old. Yeah. I've got him in dog training and stuff. He's just... We seem to think that he just doesn't quite cope in the heat mm. as the weather's warming up, mm. which they have a very short coat, so... Yeah, it's it's often... There's... Some dogs obviously seem to do better with, you know, different weather, um, but less about the coat and more about their way to lose heat, which for a dog... Um, is really all about their airway and their breathing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I take, I've got a bulldog whose breathing is actually quite good, but I'm having to get up earlier each morning to get her to walk because as soon as it goes over 18, 20 degrees, I can't walk her. And it's just too hot. Yeah. Right. And I actually kind of go for a walk and think, oh, there's a nice breeze, you know, I'm not getting hot, but that's because I have these sweat glands that put water on my skin, which then evaporates, and that's what cools you down. Dogs don't have that at all. The only way that they, they are going to lose heat is through panting through their airway. And if they can't get enough air to go through their mouth, then their body temperature will just start to go up faster than they can lose the heat. And it's not that it's excessively hot. It's just the rate of heat in their body is uh, going up faster than they're losing it. Uh, so it can be a very fine line where you kind of think, oh, it's not that bad, and the dog goes, I can't, I can't. Yeah, right. I just can't exercise. And with my dog, she will lay down if she feels hot, and I think, oh, I don't want to carry you because... <laughs> she's pretty heavy. Some, peop- some people <laughs> have said, yeah, some people have said she's fat, but, you know... We'll, That's unkind. Well, we'll agree to disagree. She's curvy. She's solid. Um, but what I, interestingly, what I do find, and just between you and me, Alison, my dog, sometimes when she gets a bit of that mild heat stress, she gets some diarrhea, and that's a sign that she's gone a bit too far. And I have had, I have had one instance where uh, she's actually needed treatment. Oh, wow. Where I've misjudged the situation. So wow. it can happen. It it, can ha- and it can happen it's so happening quickly. happening to you, David. I'm oh. worried about the rest of us. Yeah, my staff are at work going, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Instilling a They're lot like... of confidence in it. <laughs> I, do get, I, I do get ribbed for that a bit. Do as but... I say, not as I do. 
no, no, I'm doing my best. Of course. As all pet owners are, you know, we know that. We know that. So, yeah, some dogs will just cope a little bit better. It's really all about their airway and how, um, you know, quickly they're gaining heat, losing heat. Putting them in a cold, like water tub or a shell, um, you know, those big play shells. Yeah, they're great. That's a good way to get dogs to cool down because what happens is it's not that they're losing heat on the skin. They do, but also the blood vessels that are close to the skin. It's a good, good thought. So, um, if whatever you can do to keep them in that right in that temperature zone where they can exercise. Claire, you're in Stockton and you've got an elderly dog. Oh, yes, I have. And she's got a um, dementia, mm. I'm pretty sure of it. Mm-hmm. She um, has lost all sense of peripheral vision as well. And um, yeah, she just wants to eat continually. And she's talking in her sleep and snores and acts like a puppy for, like, runs around really fast and then um, just sort of lies down and sleeps for hours. So I'm not sure what to do. How old's your dog, Claire? Um, I picked her up as a rescue dog. The RSPCA said she was about two and a half at the time. So she must be 16 and six months around that. There you go. And what sort of dog... Is she? She's a silky uh, Maltese cross. Okay. Um, because sometimes the breed points us in a certain direction with these sort of things, and obviously age, um, yeah. problems that we see at different ages. So we do see uh, dementia or cognitive decline in dogs, which is mm-hmm. kind of a, the whole principle of saying cognitive decline is difficult to actually diagnose, but we come back to some of the things that you pointed to, which is behaviour change, sleep patterns, appetite, those kind of things could be indicators of that. So essentially, just as our, uh, you know, our joints wear out with a bit of osteoarthritis Mm -hmm. and so on, our brain can wear out as well. And the cells, the neurons and the support cells in the brain, the glial cells, sometimes those things start to break down or there's deposits of fibrous tissue and things like that and or poor blood flow is another thing that we know so similarly dogs with um say cardiac disease can sometimes show some of these symptoms as well and certainly dogs with kidney disease liver disease will also start to show some signs of neurological changes due to the body unable to either metabolize or excrete toxins out of the system so whilst we see behavior and we can say well this is you know dementia and so on but we also have to make sure we don't have heart disease we don't have kidney disease or we don't have liver disease because some of those things we can actually treat with various medications Um, and sometimes dietary therapy now there are difficulties with uh, diagnosing brain disease in this age we don't have great tests available um, mm-hmm. We also will see uh, brain tumours and um, things like that that are sometimes there. So it's never just a case of, well, it's, you know, old age. I think, yeah, okay. Or so on. But, you know, to the extent that you want to make sure that we don't have those other heart disease and things like that, we can certainly check those things out. And, yeah. you know, we can always review what's happening with medication. We can review diet. Um I'm less worried about, you know, playing like a puppy and then having to sleep a lot. I think 
that's a great way to be for a dog, you know. Nice um, like yeah, that. exactly. I mean, I remember once I had a client who said to me, well, he's like 17 and he just sleeps all day. And I'm like, well, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with that? You know, as yeah. long as they're eating okay and so on, and they're not in pain. So it's always worth to have that check. You might need a blood test, um, things like that, to check organ function. And then whether or not there's medication, that might provide a benefit. Otherwise, just be happy that he, you know, some of the day we play like a puppy, I think. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. So. All right. Thank you, Claire. Okay, well, thank you. That's All right. Okay. Great advice. It's always hard when they get older. Mm, but, mm. you know, they've had a good healthy life and if they're still playing like a puppy at times then they still must be feeling good and i like to sometimes i say to people look as long as they can get up and move about pain free you know we mentioned arthritis yep and if they want to follow the sun around the backyard yeah. and sleep in the, what Gizzy does. then why not that's a good go way yeah 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 it certainly is look if you've got a question we do have a few minutes left and we've got a free line right now four nine two one six two one six. David, while we wait for a caller, I do have a question about um, my little Maltese Giz. Um, as you know, he's about fourteen now. It's about, I, it's about time for his fortnightly uh, vet checkup. It isn't is. It, it yeah, is. It comes uh, you know, around every Wednesday. It comes around every Wednesday. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, what's going on? He's been um, the last few days. He's been drinking a lot of water, and I know this can mean mm-hmm. lots of bad things. I wouldn't say the frequency of him drinking has uh, increased, but when he goes to the bowl, he's consuming a, a lot. lot. Mm. What, mm. what you know? I, obviously, I've got to take him to the vets to get this checked. Well, before you go, there's a very simple thing that you can do that's going to help tremendously. First of all, you don't have any other dogs, right? No. Yep. So measure it. Uh, how many? Uh, water bowls? One. Just one. E- excellent. So what we want to do is measure the water consumption over a 24-hour period. Okay. And you need to do that over three days. Okay. Um, so in other words, we might measure us from 5 p.m. Wednesday to 5 p.m. Thursday. Measure yep. how much he drinks. Yep. So, you know, if you've got a two-litre container and then you come back the next day and you go, oh, there's one and a half litres, that means he's drunk the half a litre. Um, and then skip a day and do it from... Friday night to Saturday night, skip a day, do it from Sunday night to oh, Monday. Oh, okay. Don't do consecutive days. No. Right. No. Okay. Sometimes you'll get bouts of weather where or exercise where their consumption will go up a little sure. bit. So that kind of spreads it over a week. Okay. That'll give you a number, which we then divide by his body weight. And if it's more than 50 mils per kilo then we've got a concern. And certainly if it's more than... For dogs that actually do have a disease where they're drinking a lot or a problem there, then usually it's going to be over 100 mils per kilo. That's great advice. All right. So I yeah. can start that tonight over and if you do that, period. Yep. Yeah, do that. Then you go in to see the vet. Like if you did it and you go, oh, it's 25 mils per kilo, it's probably just nothing to worry about. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's good stuff that I can do at home before I um, you can. take a trip. All right, let's go to the phones now. See, everyone's getting help today. Dale mm-hmm. in Morissette, you've got a question about your dog. Hello, Dale. Yes. yes. Oh, sorry, it's Daryl, but Darryl. doesn't matter. You're right. Um, I've, I've got this this roughly six year old Moodle. Um, beautiful dog. She's a, a rescue dog, mm-hmm. but she's got a habit every now and again of lashing out and biting. 
Um, mm. Yeah, like when we go for a walk or something, she'll, she'll might lash out. If somebody walks close to her, she'll lash out and, and nip them. Um, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so uh, does she do this to you or just to strangers? No, 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 no strangers. Oh, okay. Um, and it's what about if people come to the house? If we basically introduce the dog to them and they talk to her, uh, then she's all right. Yes. But, yeah, if we take her for a walk, you know, you really got to keep a hold on the leash or she's just going to lash out and grab somebody's ankle. And, and be alert to the risk, absolutely. And And that's obviously going to be a great concern because it means that you're unlikely to take her out now and... You know, she doesn't get to be out and socialise, so it kind of reinforces some of this problem. So there's a number of reasons why this could happen. Certainly um, want to make sure there's no causes for pain. It doesn't sound like it because I think that uh, – and the reason I mention it is that we don't want to go off on a behaviour treatment plan without making sure that, you know, there's no other reason. Um, yeah. So usually if there's a painful reason for this, then they'll often do it to you as well. You know, yeah. maybe they've got a sore ear, and if you come near them, they turn around and nip you. But um, in this case, particularly where it's strangers, and then if you introduce them, then she's all right, uh, then I think we need to use a strategy where as you're walking, obviously you're going to be alert for people who are approaching, and you need to then probably have them uh, have uh, your dog to sit and maybe you need to use food treats and yeah, uh, until yeah, the yep. until the person goes past um so what that does is it means that she's allowing people to come near you which is obviously what she's responding to but without actually um triggering her you know behavior her protective behavior and so on. yeah yeah she's seen as very very possessive yes so uh, no. that would be that would be my advice is as soon as you see someone coming, you need to get her to sit and you give her a treat and then you keep her attention on you the whole time, not on the other person, and you use a food treat and, you know, get her to respond to you, turn to you, allow the person to go past, um, and then you can move on and hopefully you start to do that a bit and every time someone comes near you, she'll be looking at you and not at them. And that way her behaviour will settle down. Excellent. Last but not least today, let's go to Greg in Black Hill. Greg, you've got a question about your dog. Uh, yes, I have. Hello, how are you going? G'day, Greg. How can we help? Mate, i got a pug. She's 10 years old. Yes. Um, uh, she's... Over the last few days, she's been coughing really bad, like she's trying to regurgitate what's in her stomach. Mm. But nothing comes out, and she's uh, she's still eating fine. Like, she doesn't vomit as soon as she eats, or she's going to the toilet all right. She's not in any pain around the stomach. Yeah. Um, I'm mean, going to take her to the vet, but uh, it's happening a lot more often now. And um, this is, like I said, it's only happened over the last three or four days, and it's just getting worse, mate. Mm. Now, two, two questions. Um, when was the last time she would have been at the vet? Um, only a couple of months ago, I suppose. And what was that for? Um, that was for the beef heartworm, I think. Oh, okay. And the second question is, or part two, is um, 
is this coughing happening more at night, in the morning, or when she, during the day? Mate, it was, it's, it's all the time now. Okay, all right. So, but I mean, it's a, real, it's a really bad cough, you know, like she's yeah, gag yeah. and gag and something shocking. And uh, it can last from anything up to 10 seconds to 30 seconds, you know. All right. So my concern is heart disease, number one. Heart disease will present as coughing to the extent that you almost think they are going to vomit and bring something up. Wow. And, um, and particularly with a little dog like a pug where they've got this pushed-in face. And it is, you're absolutely right. You need to get to the vet. There's probably, um, we want to make sure that the heart's okay, but I think that's where I would be really worried. Yeah, so, okay. So it's something the, that you do sooner rather than later. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the treatments are really quite good. Okay. Yeah, it can make a big difference. So, oh, that's positive. So absolutely. you want to diagnose it quickly and then get on the right medication. Yeah, there was a big study released in the last two years. We can come back another week or so and talk about that because it's a really interesting study, but it's great news for dogs. And, um, yeah, there's good treatment. So, Greg, you'll, you'll need to get to the vet as soon as possible for that problem. Great advice, Dr. David Tabret. And I think that's all we've got time for today. We didn't mm-hmm. get to get to dental uh, hygiene, oh, but we can do that another look, day. I can keep it in my brain for next time. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to study now for next week. I've written it on my computer. <laughs> Good on Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's it for us. We will be back same time next week on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.